above it all. And so, Father, tonight, help us impart your spirit into our lives more fully to embrace this reality because no matter what we are facing, that, that we can cling to the fact that you are above it all, that you are truth and nothing can stand against your being the truth. And so let us just lean into that more fully here tonight. Father, there are many of us coming in with stuff going on, traumas, pain, loss. And Father, I pray that you will just renew our spirit here tonight. Help us to be a people uh, who, who worship your name. Help us to, to learn more about what it looks like to dive deeper into you and who you are. Father, we love you. I pray that you will just work in this kid's barn here tonight, work in these kids. You've done a work in the kids' ministry, and I pray you'll continue tonight. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Kids, you are dismissed to kids' barn, and youth boys, you are dismissed as well. Good evening. As the kids are continuing to leave, I did want to take a minute to follow up on Dallas's prayer. Um, if you haven't heard, man, the Lord is moving in our kids' barn down there. Um, just last week, I got to have three gospel conversations with kids down there who wanted to accept Jesus as their Savior and follow in baptism. Isn't that amazing? And then a couple more kids on top of that have talked to their parents about that as well. And the cool thing about it is it's kids from all different friend groups. Like it's not all one group. It's just so evident that the Holy Spirit is at work down there. So I say that to celebrate with you all, but I also say that to say, parents, if you have kids down there like I do, now may be a good time to to ask them some questions about what they're learning, to see if they have any questions. And, of course, we're always here for support if you need us too. But, man, it is good. It is good to see him at work in our kids' department. Uh, if you're newer here and you don't know me, my name is Tara, and I have the privilege of helping lead our women's ministry here, and I speak from time to time. My husband is the tall guy, Matt, who usually does announcements on Sunday morning, and most often you can find him in the basement of the kids' barn teaching our youth, and he loves that. And I wanted to start off tonight by telling you all a little something about Matt. First, I want to caveat this by telling you he is truly the greatest. If you know him, you already know that. He is the greatest husband I could have ever asked for. He is patient, y'all. He is so kind. Um, he is a righteous man who who follows God's commands. He's such a good man, and he's everything the Lord knew I needed. But, there's always a but, right? I have noticed something about Matt over the past 13 years of marriage. I have noticed that sometimes Matt is super confident about things that maybe he shouldn't be that confident about. Um, like hunting, for example. 
Until this past weekend, when Jason Hall made his dreams come true, until this past weekend, Matt had never been hunting in his life. But because he watched a lot of hunting TV shows, he would act like he was an expert on hunting and wildlife. Sometimes he's just confident about things he really shouldn't be that confident about. Usually it's trivial things like hunting, wildlife, or maybe something as silly as, no, you don't need to pick up ketchup at the grocery store. I know we have some at home. And then I get there, and there's no ketchup. And if you know Ava, that is a big deal at our house. So usually these are trivial things, minor issues. Except for last year when we went on our annual family camping trip. If you came to Wog last September, you've heard this before. But um, last year we went on our family camping trip. We're, kent, we're tent campers. We kind of pride ourselves on that. Um, but this particular year we were at a new area, a new campground that we weren't as familiar with. And we're setting up our, our tent and our campsite. And we keep noticing that there are just signs everywhere that say, watch out for bears, beware of bears. I mean, they're, they're on the trails, they're by the bathrooms, just way more than usual. They're everywhere. And then we also notice that there is only one other tent in the whole entire campground besides ours. And the people who were staying in that tent, they didn't speak any English. So I wasn't sure they could actually read the signs that were posted all over the campground, you know? But Matt assures me that, that this will be fine, we're fine. And so we go to sleep that night, about four in the morning, Allie June wakes us up. She was, I think she was about five, and says she's got to go to the bathroom. And I'm like, seriously, like, can't it wait? It couldn't wait. Um, so by this point, I'm awake too. And I'm like, well, I kind of need to go too. So I'll just take her. I'll take her. It's fine. And I start to unzip the tent. And I'm like, Matt, do you think there's any bears out there? And he confidently and sleepily responds, no, there's no bears out there. There's no bears. So I open the door, I grab the flashlight in one hand, Allie June's hand in the other hand, and we take off towards the bathrooms. And all of a sudden, I feel like something's staring at me. You ever felt like that? Like you feel like someone's eyes are on you. So we're walking, and sure enough, just a few feet away on our left, there is a black bear staring right at us. Y'all, my heart about stopped. It about stopped. And Allie June must have known something was wrong by the sound of my voice and by the grip of my hand. Because when I said, Allie June, we got to go back, she didn't protest. She didn't ask any questions. She didn't say, but I really got to go. She just knew. She knew. And we took a few steps backwards. And then we turned around and ran back to our tent, which I hear is the wrong thing to do. So do not do that. Um, but we climbed back in the tent, and I'm like, I thought you said there weren't any bears out there. And he's like, are you sure you saw one? It's really dark. Are you sure? So we unzipped the window of our tent, and sure enough, here comes that bear. All the way in circles, our entire tent, the side Ava was sleeping on, literally brushes up against the tent. Matt is panicked so much for being that hunter type of guy. I'm panicked. We're all scared to death. Thankfully, praise the Lord, the bear chose to leave us alone after he circled our tent and headed away. But I will tell you, that is the last time I have ever stayed in a tent. And from now on, no matter how confident Matt may seem about his wildlife expertise, I'm not trusting him anymore. <laughs> Life does that to us sometimes, doesn't it? Thankfully, Matt's never given me um, any reason to trust him in any more serious areas. But in this one area, I've got my guard up. And y'all, life will do that 
to us sometimes. And maybe your story um, isn't as funny or maybe it doesn't have such a happy ending. Maybe you faced some abandonment. Maybe you faced abuse or rejection in your life and those things have caused you to get your guard up a little bit. They've caused mistrust to come into your heart. And somehow, a lot of times, that that mistrust, it ends up spilling over into our relationship with the Lord. We don't mean for it to. A lot of times, we're not even that conscious that it has happened. But a lot of times, that mistrust will spill over into our relationship with the Lord. Maybe a situation didn't work out how you were praying for it to. And how you thought God was going to let it work out. And so now there's this mistrust. You start to think you've got to rely on yourself. You've got to look out for yourself. Or maybe a battle came your way that you were not expecting and that you didn't see coming. And now you're like, this one just slipped right by him. i got to be my own lookout from this point forward. Maybe you don't say it like that, but you live it like that. You feel it like that. Mistrust easily creeps into our heart. So I want us to take a minute tonight to consider what our trust is in. Is it in yourself? Is it in your own skills and abilities? Is it in your career? Is it in your bank account, in your spouse, in your friends? None of those things are bad in and of themselves, right? But none of them are worthy of our full trust. All of those things can let us down. Or is your trust fully and confidently resting in the Lord? Your life will show you evidence as to whether or not that's the case. Are you always fearful, nervous, easily panicked and worried, tossed about by unexpected waves that come your direction? I lived like that for a long time, just anxious about everything, worried about everything. I'm still working on that, but the Lord told me it's time to grow up and to get rooted in my trust for him. Or are you, does your anchor stand firm? When things come your way, does your anchor stand firm to where you're not easily tossed about by unexpected circumstances? I want you to ask yourself that question tonight. What is your trust in? And then I want us to look at the example tonight of an Old Testament king who fully trusted in the Lord and see if we can learn something from some of the good choices that he made. See if we can learn from some of the tactics of trust that he used. So turn with me, if you will, to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I've been studying Old Testament kings in my Bible study fellowship course, and man, I have learned so much. But before we jump into this passage, I'm going to set the scene in history for you a little bit. At this point in biblical history, God's people, the kingdom of Israel, they are a divided nation. Because of King Solomon's sin, because of his idolatry, God's people are divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Now the northern kingdom of Israel, they had one bad king after another. Evil, evil kings. The southern kingdom of Judah... They had mostly evil kings, but they had a few good ones dispersed throughout that time. And tonight, we're going to learn about one of the good ones. His name was King Jehoshaphat, and he sought after the Lord. And he tried to turn the people's hearts back from idolatry, back to the one true God. And because he was a good king... The Lord had blessed him. His reign had been prosperous. It had been peace-filled. But now at this point that we're about to jump into tonight, the Lord is allowing a battle to come his way. Because battles are not always the result of sin. 
Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not the result of sin. Sometimes God allows battles to enter our lives to give us an opportunity to exercise our faith and to deepen our trust in him. So let's go ahead and jump in tonight. Second Chronicles, we're going to start with verses 1 through 4 together. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites, that's three nations, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, A great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Jedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid. I don't blame him, right? And he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. All right, so this is not good news, right? Not one nation, not two nations, but three nations are coming against them. You know that saying, when it rains, it pours? That's what Jehoshaphat is going through right now. Y'all, this really happened. This is not some made-up story. This really happened. And, and his enemies were already at Injedi, which if I had a map I could show you is literally right here on the border of Judah. So they are close. They are knocking at the door. And so Jehoshaphat is afraid. But it says that his immediate reaction was to set his face to seek the Lord. Now I thought about that for a second. Because I know that this is translated from the original languages, but it doesn't just say that he sought the Lord. It says he set his face to seek the Lord, which to me implies an element of determination and preparation, right? So what did he do? He proclaimed a fast throughout all the people of Judah, all of them. And then he gathered an assembly together so they could all seek the Lord together. He rallied the troops, right? Not just the military troops, but the people. He rallied them together. How can you place your trust more fully in the Lord? Point number one tonight, rally the troops. Rally the troops. Y'all, that is the way that we are supposed to live our lives as followers of Jesus. This is not some like independent, one-on-one walk with him only. There is power in the community of believers, when trouble comes your way, rally the troops. We're starting to see this in our life group right now. It's been really cool to see it take place because our life group this semester, it's filled with newer faces. Um, people who hadn't been in life group before, people who definitely hadn't been in it together before. And so, you know, at first nobody really feels that comfortable, but now I'm seeing God at work. And I see people starting to bring the needs that they have, that they were private about at first, and bringing them before our life group. And then I see people praying for each other and checking in on one another and and asking if there's any way that they can help or just jumping up and helping in however they can. That is how it's supposed to be. That is how we rally the troops. And look, if God, if he has placed you in a position of leadership, whether it's husbands as the leaders of your families, whether it's leaders in this church or leaders in your business, don't underestimate how important this is. You see, Jehoshaphat, he could have just set his own face to seek the Lord, right? He could have just proclaimed a fast for himself. He could have just gone into the house of God and and prayed on his own. But he realized that there was power in the community of God's people. 
I'm so thankful that the Lord sent us a pastor and elders who believe that and who live that out. An attack comes against our church, we're going to rally the people together. An attack comes against a family in our church, we're going to rally together. We've got your back. We're in this thing together, amen? Amen. Amen. So the battle's coming. It's close. Jehoshaphat is afraid. He rallies the people together. And then the next thing he does that that helps him keep his trust firmly in the Lord is he remembers the past. Point number two tonight, remember the past. Let's keep reading in verses 5 through 9 together. So now all the people, they're in the assembly. And it says, And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, In the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might. See the way he's reminding them who God is? And now he's going to remind them about what God has done. Verse 7 Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if, div- if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you, for your name is in this house, and we will cry out to you in our affliction, and you will save us. Man, I love that. I think King Jehoshaphat knew in this moment that as he was afraid, his faith needed to be amped up a little bit, right? And I think as a good leader, he knew that the faith of his people needed to be amped up a little bit because they were scared too. So he just reminds them, hey, remember who our God is? He's the one who controls all the nations. He's the one who has power and might in his hand. And remember what he did for us? He gave us this land. He drove out our enemies. And he said if we ever had an issue, he would be there to save us. He reminds the people to remember the past. Husbands, do that for your families. Matt is so good at that. This year we faced some unexpected things in kind of the business side of our family and and he was always so good to be like, Tara, the Lord knew this was coming. And he even positioned us for it so that when it came we would be ready for it. He has always provided for us. Like he is so good to help me to remember the past. Moms do that for your kids. Mom teach them that. My mom, growing up, um, she's a real estate agent, and she's always been known to say when her, when her sales would get low, um, and she would pray about that, how the Lord always, every time, provided. And I've heard her say that probably 50 times in her life, and it sticks with me to this day. Remind your families of God's past provision. Do that for your friends. Speak it out loud so that in moments of need, their faith can be strengthened as well. And then those Israelites, they they recounted their history. And the cool thing is, church, we have a history too. Just like they recounted the story of, of their past, we have that too as a church body, right? And, you know, right now we have experienced some incredible victories and answered prayers. Y'all, and I just praise the Lord for that. It's been amazing. But guess what? 
It's not, it's not always going to be perfectly smooth waters. It's just not. And even if we walk in faith and obedience, which I believe we are, and, and it's my prayer that we'll always continue walking in that way, but God is still going to give us opportunities to exercise our trust and deepen our faith in him. That's always going to happen. So when he does that, We've got to be like King Jehoshaphat and those Israelites, and we've got to choose to remember the past. We've got to remember the way that six years ago, God, he raised this church up, and the way he made it grow and prosper, and then the way he was with us during kind of the wilderness experiences of wanting a pastor and waiting for a pastor the way at times when we didn't know who was going to speak from literally one Sunday to the next, that he raised up an army of just regular people who loved him and sustained us daily through his provision. It's been incredible. Y'all, we have our own story to look back on, and we can't forget that. In times to come, we have to remind each other as our church body to stop and to remember the past. That's point number two. Remember the past. We're going to skip ahead for a couple, a couple verses just for time's sake. But basically, next in Jehoshaphat's prayer before the people, he just tells God the problem. He's like, look, the enemies are knocking at the door, and we need some help. Now let's read verse 12 together. He says, O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Man, what a humble thing for a king to say. Right? Think about this. All these people are in this assembly and they're looking to him, right? He's the man in charge. What a humble thing for a king to, to say, man, we don't know what to do. I'm powerless, God, but our eyes are on you. Point number three tonight, if you want deeper trust in the Lord, recognize your insufficiency. Recognize your insufficiency. In order to fully trust in the Lord, you've got to stop trusting in yourself. If you try to like trust in him 50% and then trust in yourself 50%, like that's not going to work. It's just not. And then, and then God will mercifully take you to the point where you've got to go to realize it's not going to work. He will move you into circumstances to show you that you are powerless. So take it from someone who knows it's better just to get that from the get-go, right? Jehoshaphat, he got it. And he's like, God, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. If that would have been me, I would have been like, God, we got to win this thing. We got to win this thing, and right now it's four or three against one. Three armies against one army. So, God, could you send us in some alliances real quick, you know, some extra armies as backup, or, or um, how about some epic battle strategy that, like, nobody has ever seen before? That would be good, too. And maybe some excess weapons. Like, we could use all of that. Those would have been my suggestions. But I'm so glad that Jehoshaphat, he didn't do that. Because as you're about to see, God's plan was so much better than that. Instead, he just says, our eyes are on you. Matt and I and my girls, um, we're getting ready to embark on a new journey as a family. 
we are, we're getting ready to become a foster family. Sorry, I didn't expect this. Um, we should have our approval for that any day now. It has been a long process. I have learned that everything with the foster system takes a lot longer than you would think. It's taken months, but we're now finally at the point where um, everything is submitted, all the paperwork is submitted, all the training is done, so we can literally receive word about that any day. And it is so weird to sign up for something that you're pretty sure is probably going to break your own heart. Like, that's a really weird thing to do. And honestly, I have thought of a thousand reasons why we can't do it. A thousand reasons why we should not do it. And who knows, it may just be for a short time. I don't know what the Lord's plan is. But I have learned, when God says go, you're better off just going. Not in your own power. Not in your own ability to overcome the difficulties that you are very aware that you're going to face. Sometimes you just got to look at the mountain and realize that you are powerless against it and say, God, I don't know how we're going to do this. But our eyes are on you. Recognize your insufficiency. King Jehoshaphat, he did that. That's the way he led the people. And then when he finished praying, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon a man who was present in the assembly that day. And the Lord, he heard King Jehoshaphat's prayer, and he responded through this prophet that was present in the assembly. Let's read the Lord's response to him, verses 15 through 17, still Second Chronicles chapter 20. And this prophet said, Listen, all Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm. Hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. I'm going to read that again because I feel like somebody needs to hear that tonight. 17, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Mercy, y'all. That is a good word from the Lord, right? He's like, this battle, it's not yours. It's mine. I'm going to take care of this. But I want you to notice that, that God gave them comfort. And God told them the way that this story was going to end up. But he did not give them all the details as to how it was going to happen, did he? Because he still wanted them to have faith. He still wanted them to exercise their trust in him. Even if they didn't understand how he was going to do what he said he was going to do. Lastly, point number four tonight is remain obedient and expectant. Remain obedient and expectant. God told them, go position yourself for battle. Stand firm. But look, I'm going to fight for you. This battle is mine. I wonder if any of them are thinking like, 
this is going to work out because his arrows are like zooming past my head. I'd really like a little bit more details. Like, you think any of them were thinking that? They just didn't need to know that yet. They were just supposed to be obedient in what they did know to do. Stand firm. Hold your position. I'll fight for you. That's all the info that they got. And you want to know what the craziest thing about that is? That was enough for them. That was enough for them. It says, when the prophet said that the people, they fell on their faces and they began to worship the Lord for his response. Y'all, I had to ask myself, is that enough for me? Because so often his word, y'all, it tells us. It tells us how the story's going to end. It tells us, hey, you walk in paths of righteousness. You can expect fruit in your life. You can expect my goodness and mercy to follow you everywhere you go. It tells us. But it's not enough for me sometimes to know the comfort and to know the way it's going to end. I want to know the how. I want to know the details, right? And whenever I don't get them, I start not to trust. I start to doubt. Man. I was convicted of that because it was enough for the people of Judah. Just knowing how it was going to end gave them the hope that they needed to fall on their faces and to worship the Lord their God. And then the next morning, they set out obediently and expectantly to the place where God had called them to go. They headed right for their enemies, just like God told them to. And then they did something really cool. Instead of like... um, putting their best military people in the front of the marching lines, they basically put what, have, what would have been the equivalent of, of the military worship team with, up front. That's who they put up front, their worship team. And as they began to march out for battle, their, march, their worship team, they went first, and they began singing praises to the Lord. So here's the people of Judah over here. And they began to set out, set out for battle, singing those praises. They sang, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. That's how they went out for their battle, okay? Is that not amazing? And then you got their enemies over here. God's people here. Three enemies over there. Three nations over here. And God's word says that when the people of Judah set out to go meet their enemies, as soon as they started singing... God set an ambush over here. And now, now his word doesn't exactly tell us what this ambush was. Some scholars think it was angels. But he sent angels that began fighting amongst them. Other scholars, and my gut kind of goes to this opinion, they think that he caused these enemies to become suspicious of one another. And they begin to turn on each other. So they start singing over here, walking into battle, and they start turning on each other and fighting themselves. And by the time God's people get on the scene, they've already destroyed themselves. And all they see are the spoils of war and the fact that God has literally annihilated their enemies and not one of them had escaped. God does what he says he's going to do, right? Amen? Amen. Amen. Now I want to point out that God doesn't always work in this exact same way. Sometimes I think that we use this as a cop-out at times. Like, well, I'm just going to sit back, let God fight this battle. And now sometimes that's true. Sometimes God does ask us to do that. But other times, for example, David and Goliath, God asks us to fight. God asks us to actively engage. 
So sometimes he calls us to sit back, sometimes he doesn't. The question I want you to ask yourself is, have you trained yourself to hear his voice well enough to know the difference? And see, the training comes in between the battles. The training, training yourself to hear his voice like that, happens in the day-to-day. It happens when you're spending time in his word. It happens when you're, you're praying on a consistent basis at home. That's when you learn to discern his voice. If you wait till the battle is there, knocking at the door, and you haven't put in the training, it's going to be really hard to hear what he wants you to do. you got to put in the training in between the battles so that when the battle comes, you're ready, right? And the thing is, it really doesn't matter whether he says fight or stand firm. Whatever it is, you can trust him. You can expectantly obey him and put your trust in him. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come. But the thing is, he is the one who your trust has got to be in. Walk in obedience and expectancy that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Because here's the thing. He's not the one who sent you out to the bears. He's not the one who abandoned you. He's not the one who walked out on you. He is not the one who rejected you. He was with you through all that, but it wasn't him. So if you're in here tonight and you're you're carrying these trust issues from what the world has done to you, tonight is the time to lay that down because that was never him all along. And he wants you to, to let that go and to put your trust back in him to stop relying on yourself stop thinking you can handle it all on your own and bottle it all up instead start rallying the troops start recognizing your insufficiency remember the past and then be obedient to the things that he is asking you to do in the future because I'm telling you we can trust him we can trust him and then if you're here tonight And maybe you're wanting to go down this path that you know God is not asking you to go on. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I feel like I'm supposed to. You're wanting to go down this path that you feel like God is not asking you to go on. And it's not like an overtly sinful path. But maybe you know that God is asking you to go this way. But you want to go this way because this way feels safer. And this way looks like it might have some enemies. And and you, you just don't, you don't see why God is saying this way. You just want to go this way. I pray that if that's you tonight, that, that you would be like Allie June was in my opening story. That you would know by the sound of your father's voice and by the grip of his hand that it's time to go back. And it's time to head the other direction that he's asking you to walk in. You can trust him. I also wanted to ask you all if tonight we could rally some troops together. Um... Our pastor, our shepherd that God has so graciously given us, he's been um, experiencing some health issues as of late. Um, Nothing concrete yet, but he's been dealing with some pain and with some questions that are a little bit scary. And he's had some testing and he has more testing done tomorrow. I don't think that's a coincidence. 
You know, I would never be one to say, I know this for sure, but it sure feels like an attack. You say yes to what God is wanting you to do, the way that he's going to use you and use your family, and then attacks come your way. And I know that hasn't been the only thing they've experienced as of late. Can we rally the troops tonight? He's going to come, and he and Morgan are going to pray tonight. And I would just ask if you feel led, um, come and pray for them. Pray that God would defend them. Pray that God would give them peace and trust and hope, and that they would just feel so secure right now. And then if there's anything else in your life that you're like, man, I could use some support in this. Man, I could use some troops with me on this. We would love to pray for you as well. I would love to pray for you as well. So we will go to the Lord in prayer now, and then we will stand and sing together. Father, we praise you because you are so worthy of our trust. God, I pray that you would help us to lay these trust issues that we have down at your feet. God, I pray that you would give us the humility like you gave King Jehoshaphat to say, look, I'm powerless and I need to rally the troops because I need some help in this area of my life. God, would you give us faith to do that? God, we see that there are enemies all around, but we don't fear. God, we know that we are powerless against them, but Father, our eyes are on you. God, do your thing. Father, we praise you and we ask all this in the name and in the power of Jesus. Amen.